Hi guys, this is Danielle. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted everyone to be aware that we do discuss mental illness and suicide. If you or one of your loved ones needs it, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is open 24 hours a day. Their number is 1-800-273-8255. Also, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI, has a Monday through Friday, 10 to 6 Eastern Time lifeline, and their number is 1-800-950-6264. Okay, here's a really important show. Hello and welcome to the Event Safety Podcast. I'm Danielle Hernandez. I'm Steve Edelman. And today we're going to talk about kind of a difficult subject. We're going to talk about stress and mental health. We're recording this on October 13th, uh, which is the day after Mental Health Awareness Day. And we're just taking a moment to recognize that for our industry in particular, this is a really hard time. We've been primarily out of work since about mid-March. Uh, some people are going back, and that's great, but even going back can be stressful. Uh, there are financial concerns. If you've got school-aged children, that is typically speaking a hot mess, or maybe that's just me. For me, it's a hot mess. There are all the political and social issues in the world. There's hurricanes and fires and tornadoes and, and just, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. So we're going to talk about some ways today and some experiences with mental health and stress and some strategies for coping right now. We're about to go into the holidays, you know, just everybody take a deep breath and let's have this little conversation. Steve, will you introduce our very special guest today? Yes, um, we are very fortunate to have uh, Lori Rubenstein from uh, Behind the Scenes and um, our own uh, ESA president, Jim Digby. And they spend a lot more time thinking about mental health issues and actually having the words to access those issues um, than a lot of other people I know. Um, you know, as I just said before we hit record, I, I'm sort of amused to be on this broadcast at all because I'm one of the people who I think is fairly typical in our industry. I have a really hard time talking about my emotions. This is not a conversation with which I'm comfortable. I don't really have the vocabulary for it. I suspect that a lot of people just kind of suffer in silence. And, you know, that's, that's not just a, you know, coronavirus pandemic situation. Our industry is tough on people's mental health on its best days. You know, the lifestyle that whether it's touring professionals or people who are associated with a brick and mortar space or even a greenfield festival, you know, as much fun as it is to work in our industry, as much joy as we have, it's a tough lifestyle. And it puts all kinds of stresses on people that we are not good at articulating. We don't especially have you know, a lot of built-in resources close by. You know, we have our friends, but we're all dealing with the same stuff, and we have many of the same weaknesses. So I think it's really important that Jim and Lori are here today because they have words that many of us don't, and they have experiences and actual skills and training that many of us just lack. So 
I think that this is a great conversation to have. Even its existence, even the fact that we are raising this issue, I hope will help to acknowledge these are not feelings that you need to keep behind closed doors. You know, we all suffer, everybody hurts, and it's okay to voice those feelings. And we're gonna try and talk through some resources that will help you deal with them in an appropriate and actually constructive way. Danielle? Yeah, so typically speaking, we, we sort of celebrate our overextendedness and we celebrate our toughness and, and I haven't seen my kids in seven days and I got three hours of sleep last night and you know, I, I haven't been, I don't even know what city I'm in and, and, and that sort of tough mentality. And so now we have a whole different set of toughness that we're trying to, oh yeah, I haven't worked since March, it's fine. You know, ramen's great. Uh, but, uh, you know, th there's probably a healthier way to deal with that. Uh, Jim, can you share some some strategies? And you've, you're a pretty big advocate for this. Well, I, I think there's a difference between advocating for it. Thank you, Danielle, first of all. Thanks for having us on today. I think there's a, a huge difference between advocating for it and obviously being a, a mental health professional, which I am not. And I, and I think while the, while the intro and the setup from both you and Steve is interesting and relevant, I think we have to go further out than our tribe, our community, or, or this pandemic. I think we have to recognize, it would be healthy for us to recognize that never before, at least in my lifetime, has mental health been such a frontline conversation, uh, you know, a top of the, of the subject matter conversation which I think is great. I think we're beginning to see the transition of discussing mental health in the same way that we would discussing a cut or a broken bone or a bruise. It's always been the, the nasty little secret that we never talked about. Um, I think that's our first healthy step. And thankfully that was beginning to transition prior to the pandemic. And before we even get to what is our work life like now, you know, we're here now, we're, 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 we're in a conversation about working in the live event space, so we have to get to that fairly quickly. And it is absolutely true that we're in a business that is kind of designed to degrade one's mental health from the standpoint of we commit a passionate component from our, our being to be a part of this industry. We we commit hours that normal, or not normal, but that other, other industries don't require you to commit. You know, it's not a nine to five job. It's in many cases a 16 hour job, 16 hour a day job. It's, so it's, we're, we're, we're pushing all of our emotions into the work. We're, we're pushing all the hours into the work. We go sleepless often, we go foodless often, or we eat, as you said, ramen. That's happening in my house as well. And now we take all of that and we put slap a little pandemic on top of everyone and remove your income and remove your ability to pay for your health care and remove your ability to socialize and, and do the thing that you love to do. We're in a really bad state right now, I think. You know, and, and many are probably attempting to bury just how bad the state of affairs is internally for themselves and externally for those they love and care about 
for fear of also dragging them into a darker place. Right. The whole can. lack of a, a social network is a side effect of the pandemic, and it just makes everything a little more amplified and a little... A little edgier. little yeah. edgier. Har harder to deal with. You can't call someone up in Zoom and say, well, you can, but it's, it's not the same as going to same. a coffee shop or going for a walk along the no. sidewalk in a downtown or a river or whatever. Lori, they can't tell that you're nodding, but I can see you nodding. Uh, what, what are some of your initial thoughts? Well, I agree with everything that's been said. Um, they are incredibly difficult times. People are very isolated, many for the first times in their lives. They're used to being with their work families. We said 16 hours a day, uh, if they're on tour for months, if not years at a time. And so for those who are home all the time now, if they're with other family members, or even roommates, they're all having to learn how to live with each other on a long-term basis, which they're not used to doing. They're having to integrate into the daily life. If they live alone, they are isolated in a way they've never been in their lives. And it's taking a huge toll on everyone, on the individuals in the industry, on family members, on friends. And yes, that connection is really difficult, FaceTime, uh, Zoom, whatever it might be, but it's absolutely critical. I mean, we're trying through the behind the scenes mental health and suicide prevention program to roll out some tools and resources that allow people to seek help very privately and very anonymously, because we know that's really critical to the industry. As, as everyone has said, you know, the folks in this industry are, are used to toughing it out. That's a badge of honor. They're used to solving everyone else's problems, not talking about their own. And yet, clearly, everyone has them, and especially now. So one of the things we focused on in this early batch of tools and resources is allowing people to seek uh, the, the company of other people, if you will. Um, but anonymously, we have an online peer-to-peer -peer chat app that's available 24-7, 365. So when it's 2 in the morning and you can't sleep and you feel like you want to talk to someone, you're not gonna wake up a close friend, you're not gonna wake up a family member. If you're seeing a therapist, you're certainly not gonna call your therapist. But what if you can get online and talk to people who are just like you? They're sitting home out of work too. And they understand what's, you know, what you're missing. They understand what's going on. They understand the life. A, and you know, we originally seen. <laughs> yeah, they originally <laughs> developed, you know, we originally developed it for when life was normal and you're on tour, or you're doing concerts and you're getting home from the gig at two in the morning and you got something on your mind and you want to talk about. But especially now it's a good way to reach out. We have this um, this self-assessment app online which allows you to go in completely privately and anonymously and take a self-assessment, answer some really basic questions to sort of understand what you're feeling. Because right now everyone's feeling things they've never felt before. Levels of anxiety, of depression, PTSD. So it's a way to go in and answer some really simple questions anonymously, privately, and you get immediate results. It either tells you, hey, you're doing pretty well, or you know what? Yeah, you're suffering from generalized anxiety, but here's what anxiety is. Lots of people suffer from it. It's really common. Here's what it is. And here are some resources to get some help. So there are a lot of tools and resources out there for people. And it's a matter of, of helping them, of helping them take that first step. 
we're getting a lot of reports of suicides around the industry, increased suicides around the industry. So it's that trying to make connections with people is more and more critical, um, especially for those who have no support network, you know, no obvious support network, reaching out to them, just checking in with them, being alert to the warning signs of suicide is really critical. We've got a lot of information on our website. What are the warning signs of suicide? What can you do to help? someone. We've got practical guidance and examples. And I want to say this. I did a presentation a few weeks ago with the executive director of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And he said that more lives are saved by people close to the person than by professional mental health people. So that means everyone, you know, we're all the front line. We can act to save lives. And that's so important right now. That is very important. We will go ahead and put those resources in the show notes in case you guys want to follow up on that. Also, please feel free to check in with your particular professional association. If you're a member of the IATC or Actors Equity or, or IAVM, all, all of, and of course us, the Event Safety Alliance, we all have lists of resources in different places. Also, uh, all of the industry assistance organizations, so Music Cares, the Actors Fund, if you work in film and television production, um, much picture and television production fund, the Will Rogers Foundation, all of them have various resources. They're all involved in the behind the scenes mental health initiative, but they also have enormous resources. Um, everything from uh, online groups to courses in how to deal with stress, how to deal with anxiety, uh, financial management, et cetera. So there's a wealth of resources amongst the uh, industry assistance organizations as well. I, I want to underscore something that, Laura, you just said, which is friends can be an amazing resource even if you don't have access to professional help. And Danielle, this is going to be a shout out to you. Um, it's hard to know what's going to resonate with someone, but earlier this year when my practice was on its knees and I was, I mean, I was really stressed out. Um, I had a lot going on in my life and most of it was bad. Danielle started writing me letters, you know, old fashioned letters with postage stamps and return addresses. And she wrote them on stationery and she used different colored pens and they were hard to read sometimes, but, and it, I don't even remember what she wrote. Nothing but it important. Was, <laughs> it was nothing important. It was just ordinary stuff, but it was kind and it was, it was loving and it was personal. And I didn't have that except through these, these, dopey, hard to read, handwritten letters on actual stationery with a stamp. And that helped me get through some pretty dark days. So, you know, thank you, Danielle, for helping me through that. And I guess my point is, almost any personal touch can help. I mean, it may not be the answer, you know, I'm a big believer in belt and suspenders. But you know, anything that we can do that shows that we love another person, man, what an impact when someone just feels utterly unmoored from everyone. So. Absolutely, Steve. I mean, it's one of the, the main tenets, if you will, one of the main steps in 
trying to assist people who might uh, have suicidal ideation or deep depression, et cetera, is that follow-up. And it's all about frequency rather than content. Send a quick text. That, you know, you don't have to expect an answer, but send a quick text, leave a message, do a quick FaceTime call, whatever it might be. But it's that frequency of letting someone know that there's someone else out there who cares about them. Really important. And if people can set up sort of networks uh, where they just sort of on a regular basis, especially reaching out to people who might be elderly, who might be living alone, who are really isolated, and just having that frequency of contact can make a big difference. We, um, we learned in the, I would also be a supporter of the mental health first aid training in that it, it empowers you with the tools um, and confidence to intercede in the conversation, to spot the trouble spots, to, to spot where a person may have you know, left their baseline normalcy and transitioned to a, a, a scarier place. Um, I know in the training, uh, they tell the story of Kevin Hines, who is the uh, Golden Gate, uh, uh, he, he attempted to take his own life by jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, and he survived. And, and in that story that he tells himself in the class by video, um, he talks about how on any occasion in the many places along the way from home onto the bus, the walking through the park, and getting to the bridge and, and deciding to jump, Anywhere along that way, had anyone just stopped and said, hey, are, are you okay? Um, he feels that would have changed his outcome on that day. So I, I, I share that in an effort to emphasize routine check-ins are a big deal. And, and to, you may just be checking in with that one person who matters, uh, who, who, who's, who's that moment of check-in matters the most to. And it, all it takes is, hey, how are you doing? Is, is, are you okay? Is there anything I can do to help? Or just being quiet and listening. Um, I, I dedicate Fridays to that kind of thing, a call around and shout out to people uh, I have or have not been in contact with, just to say, hey, how you doing? Jim, I'm hoping that behind the scenes we'll have some very exciting news, by the way, about the mental health first aid course for oh, great. the next few weeks. Well, we look Ooh. forward to getting that out there if that's the case. Yep. Ooh, uh, uh, that's, that's that was like a foreshadowing, sneaky thing. The scoop. You're Watch on the event safety space. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're rarely newsmakers. This uh, is exciting. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we can put that news out there for everybody, Laurie. You know, obviously. Uh, we will. We're working on it. Um, as a behind-the-scenes board member, you'll hear about it sooner than others. But. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Benefits. <laughs> so, so, so although this is a really serious topic, we're already hearing some hopeful strategies here. Uh, reach out to your friends. Let me know. I'll write you a letter about my backyard chickens too. That's absolutely in my wheelhouse. Um, did all the online you resources. You did that, didn't you? You wrote Yes, I did. Oh, uh, you know, one does not send out letters about, well, I guess if we're in the 1800s, I could put deep thoughts and stuff like that. It's just not my way. Uh, so <laughs> it's going to be, it's not going to matter that you can't understand every word in the fountain pen. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, but that sort of thing. We're, 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 make the connections, even though it's hard right now. Realize that, that your cup is also depleted. So recognize that by helping others, you're helping yourself. 
Absolutely. Um, uh, I can, uh, Danielle, I can speak to that, that early journey at Showmakers where we had two mental health professionals talking weekly and we were kind of, we were feeling ourselves, the hosts were feeling themselves, what were we going through mentally each week? And that became the subject matter for the conversation. But I, I would have counted myself before that, before coming to know those professionals, I would have counted myself as someone who didn't need or wouldn't be, wouldn't be helped by the help of a professional. But I was profoundly affected by being in a conversation with professionals, even though it wasn't about me, but, but I was able to hear them discuss the connections between the brain and the body and trauma. And that really, really helped. So I guess I, I bring that up to say, don't think that you're beyond needing help, especially if you're a helper, if you're a giver in that way, there's a lot to learn. And there's a lot we don't know, even though we may think we know it all, which I'm a victim of. And, and Jim, following on, don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, we know that one of the big issues in the industry, we learned from a survey we did just about a year ago, was for those who are ready to see therapists, was finding a therapist who had any inkling of what you all do for a living. Um, it was a big issue. People were tired of having to educate therapists about what they did and getting suggestions that just were completely impossible to follow. So uh, one of the things the program has done is to create an entertainment industry therapist finder. So only therapists who have either previously um, seen clients in the industry, in the entertainment industry, so they've already been educated by those people, or therapists who've already worked professionally in our industry themselves. And we've discovered it's a very popular second occupation, second career for people who were in the entertainment industry. So we've created this, this therapist finder. When you go to search for a therapist, you are only getting results of therapists who already have an understanding of what life in the industry is like. You don't have to sit there and waste your first few sessions educating them about it. And Which is in and of itself is exhausting. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Lori, um, a question about that. Uh, are, does that apply to um, significant others and family members as well? Because I know that, you know, often I know for myself, my family, I've been home too long. I need to get out. <laughs> they need me to get out. But I guess, you know, joking aside, we're not the only ones affected by this uh, change, right? Uh, there's absolutely an increased rate of, of trouble at home. There's an yes. increased rate of domestic violence. There's, you know, there's all of these other things happening that are not just about us. They're maybe about our loved ones as well. Are, are our loved ones able to get help through these providers that are familiar with our business? Absolutely. Um, loved ones, family members, friends, able to get help through uh, to use the Entertainment Industry Therapist Finder and all of the other tools and resources. If you take a self-assessment, for example, you can take it for yourself or someone else. Let's say, you know, you're worried about a family member and you're afraid they may have a problem with PTSD or depression or uh, alcohol misuse, et cetera. You can answer those questions on their behalf so you gain a better understanding of what's going on. So absolutely, these are designed for family members, friends. They were developed for the people who work behind the scenes, behind the curtain, behind the camera, on the road. We also know that they're going to be very useful to performers as well. If you have a therapist who understands life, uh, Backstage, they're going to understand what a performer goes through as well. So, 
I think that's an important uh, differentiation. The, the Actors Fund, Lori, I know you told me at the onset of all of this journey with COVID that the Actors Fund was accessible at some extent to live event professionals as well. Uh, could, would you just tell us a little bit more about that? Because I, I don't think many of, certainly the community I'm from, think about the Actors Fund as a potential resource. Sure, no, absolutely. The Actors Fund, as they say, helps everyone in entertainment. Um, there are some restrictions. They do have some requirements in terms of number of years. People have worked in the industry, et cetera. But anyone who's regularly working uh, should take a look at the Actors Fund. And also Music Cares obviously helps anyone who's in the, in the music business. Um, and they are helping people both with financial assistance. It's limited, very limited financial assistance, but uh, one time only. Uh, small grants, but they also have tremendous um, resources in terms of uh, all kinds of educational groups. Um, the Actors Fund has a very valuable uh, health insurance resource tool where they can help people. Lots of people around the country are facing the loss of health insurance and they can help people try and find new, more affordable health insurance, that kind of thing. So right. it's a, they're huge resources uh, to take advantage of. So do either of you know of any resources uh, for helping people transition permanently or temporarily to careers, how to market your skill set? Uh, I mentioned that because I saw the Actors' Equity Stage Manager Group talking about workshops to help people find other employment right now, especially a lot of them work on Broadway. And, you know, obviously they're down until the summer at least. So people at the Met, the, the, those types of groups, you know, there isn't enough money in unemployment on a good day. Right. Uh, and this isn't a good day. So, so do you guys know of any resources like that? Or is that an opportunity for, for someone interested? The Actors Fund does work, run workshops on finding uh, careers in other areas. So people should definitely check that out. They were doing in-person workshops before all this hit. I believe that they've trans transitioned to online workshops and that's certainly worth checking out. It looks like Steve is checking it out right now. Trying to <laughs> um, Jim, so in your particular tribe, how are those people coping right now? Like what strategies are they using? Not their personal situations. Yeah, yeah, I, I bleh, bleh. Um, Medium, I, don't, huh? <laughs> I don't think we're doing well. Um, I think, I think, look, coping is, is happening. I think, um, you know, coming to grips with the reality of what this is and how long it may impact us has taken quite some time. Uh, folks transitioned, you know, attempted to transition early. I'm thinking of uh, Zito who's opened up a bakery for himself uh, and his wife. Um, bakery. Yeah. And he's killing it. <laughs> by the way, uh, but I think by and large, you know, we're, we are skeptics and we didn't want to believe that this was happening. And, and, you know, now it's plainly true that this is happening and that the extended nature of it is still unknown. Uh, you know, now it's also true that there are small opportunities for people who are trying. There's the drive-in theater application. There's, there's shows without audience happening. You know, there's, there's little pockets of success that we can point to none of those speak to the larger problem that we have. I think the metric is something like 70% of 
I'm going to quote these numbers wrong, but there's a, a large portion of us out of work, especially the 1099ers who've got, you know, nothing at this point in time. Yeah. It's important to remember um, that, as Jim mentioned, the small pockets of people getting some work. We're starting to see our colleagues in film and television production go back to work uh, slowly. Um, it's really important that people understand that when they do go back to work, it's going to be a workplace that looks and feels entirely different than the one that they left in March. And that's going to cause its own level of anxiety. People who are worried about exposure, etc. It's really important that everyone treat everyone with respect when, and kindness when you go back to work. Everyone's going to be stressed out on that workplace. And you want to really just you know, create a workplace that is as welcoming and as kind as possible to everyone. We're hearing reports that that's not always the case, and that's really a shame. Um, so many people out there who want work, if you don't want to abide by safety protocols and all of that that's set up, step aside and let someone else have the job who's willing to, because there are a lot of people out there who would grab that's and take it. That's an important reminder too, Lori, because we're losing our muscle memory as each day goes by as well. And so there's there's the spin up, there's the concern about exposure, there's the there's the secondary concern for our families that, you know, are you gonna come home exposed? Uh, the statistic I wanted to quote was 77% of our workforce has lost 100% of their income. Um, that's coming from the Level Up Festival uh, website. Um, but you're absolutely right. And, and, and Lori, you know, we talked, Steve, the ESA group talked internally about whether or not we needed to do a, a second version of the reopening guidance. And you know, the initial response is, we can't even get people to wear their masks and wash their hands and remain socially distant, which are the three basic tenets of what's happening now. And, um, you know, let's get everybody on the same page, at least within our industry, because we're the ones, well, we're not the only ones. We've got so many people unemployed that we really have to pay attention. Yeah, it feels like we're back at the initial hard hat conversation. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's like, this Absolutely. is just like that, only viral load instead. Only we're all out of work. Yes, yeah. <laughs> During hard hat conversations, we weren't all out of work. We needed to put right. our hats on. Right, so so we, you know, the, the underlying message is uh, wear your mask, wear your face covering, extend grace to those around you, um, you know, and some people right now, some of my, we're not doing a lot. You know, we did a Zoominar, which is a term I made up. It's a webinar, Zoom I'm thing, where we had a couple people in the room. And we had 18 people in a 2000 seat house and Zoom on a screen. <laughs> but it was work, guys. It was work. <laughs> uh, but I have some crew that is more than willing to come in and abide by the rules. They, they put restrictions on us. They're like, we don't want to be near the talent. And that's totally fair. But then I have others that say, you know what? I personally don't feel it's safe to work. So I'll come back when I can. And I was like, I understand that too. So, you know, it's kind of meeting people where they are. Uh, I've got a couple old road guys in town that I plan on calling because we're going to do a Christmas dance recital thing. I'm like, hey, you're not on the road. Want to work a dance recital? I'll keep you away from the kids. You know, maybe it might work. I don't know. Uh, I don't have to worry about that yet. But you know, it's it, there's a lot to going back to work that is super stressful and a lot of protocols that 
as a building that I have to adhere to and put together and that the crew has to know about, comply with, and that the performers have to comply with. And, you know, it's just this, it's not the fun of doing right. a show. It's, no. it's got its own levels of stress and complexity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I also think, you know, we're, we're currently, we're, we're thinking reactionary to everything that's going on. You know, we're, we're in the moment of how do we get through COVID, but we're also having conversations around the community about, well, how can we get through COVID, but come back different and, and better and more resilient and, and more apt to take care of ourselves and one another? What resources are we now able to talk about as missing because we've got time on our hands and we're not producing shows? Uh, and, and how can we address those resources and perhaps change the way we do business a little bit, perhaps improve the culture of the way we do business a little bit, perhaps really make a commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion across the board. That's so important. Uh, you know, financial literacy. These, these are all foundational building blocks that our industry has never, ever really um, embraced or, or talked about in strong enough circles where we can make a difference. Um, and I, I do think that it's a, it's a useful conversation to have, especially now, because we have, we have this pause and because we have this capability of, of getting, digging in deep in these conversations and coming out of the other side. Jim, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, when we did our survey a year ago, we had a tremendous response to it. And the overwhelming issue was just the, the culture in which everyone is working in terms of People are working longer and longer hours, which are taking an enormous toll on everyone. They're doing it with less resources in shorter time frames, bigger events, and all of that is unsustainable. As an industry, it's just unsustainable. We're burning out people you know, at a high rate. So it is a good time to go back and look at what the priorities are, how people are working, can we change the culture? It's a big issue. It's a big financial issue, obviously, for those who hold the purse strings. But can we change how this industry treats its people? Can we give people yeah. a, a better work-life balance? Yeah. And, and I think that part of the answer to that and what's dry, what, what one of the drivers to that is today's youth are expecting different things than I think we expected when we got into the business and some may call it the cowboy days, right? There, there is a desire. What's the plan? What's, where do I fit in? How does this help my family financially? Where's my insurance? And there's this opportunity now to be speaking towards the next generation, which I think is the earliest art we can hope to make a change and, and get these ideas growing as, so we can leave the industry better than it is today. Absolutely. But, yeah. We, we are already working on making the industry better than it was. It's better than when we started. So, you know, it's a journey. We're just eat the elephant bite by bite. That's right. It's a long-term journey. It's a real culture change. It's a it's whole sea change. Yeah. Um, because so many people out there are still of that, you know, tough it out mentality. And we encountered so many people who were afraid to take time off to go to a medical doctor's appointment, let alone to a therapy appointment, afraid they would lose that job or not get hired for the next job. Yeah. And so we really have to work hard to change that attitude. And this yeah. is a good time to do a restart on the industry. All right. So everybody be thinking about that. Also be thinking about your own cup 
and how you can fill it up and how you can help fill others up. Uh, Jim, do you have any final thoughts for us? Kinder, gentler days ahead. Uh, Love it. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I, I think, you know, I, my personal journey through COVID has been one of continued professional growth and education. And in the process of that, I'm learning the things that I didn't do so well. I've learned that microaggressions are a thing and that perhaps microaggressions were in the construct of who I was as a leader and, and you know, the difference between leading and managing. And I, I look forward, hopefully, to be able to display these new learnings in the future as we go out to what will hopefully be a more compassionate workplace. That's really uh, one, of the, one of the biggest successes we could have coming out of COVID was, is creating a more compassionate workplace. Thank you. I, I think that's a great destination. Lori, what about you? Do you have any final thoughts? Well, I think Jim is right that creating the, comp the more compassionate workplace, but the more compassionate life in general, you know, reach out to people now because you not only help them, but you help yourself. You benefit enormously by, by helping others. And so just reach out to people and really take advantage of tools and resources that are out there. And there are a lot of them to help you get through this. You know, there are all kinds of apps that are available to help you deal with stress and anxiety, and they work really well. Mental health professionals say they work really well. Um, do you have you an know, example? Yeah, things like, you know, the, there's a, a thing you can do, which is a, a grounding exercise, and this will sound familiar to Jim, um, of, you know, if you're starting to get really anxious and stuff, just take a minute and breathe deeply, and then ground yourself in your world look around you slowly and name the things in your environment as you look around or focus on one thing and sort of describe it out loud. And that just resets your nervous system and calms you down and sort of brings you back and helps you to think more rationally. There's a lot of that kind of um, information that's available for people. Um, we have a lot of resources uh, available on our site. We learned as we were research researching things uh, it quickly gets overwhelming on the web. If you just start researching, you go down rabbit hole after rabbit hole. We've taken resources and put them up on our site to make them as uh, easily navigable as possible so you can get straight to what you're looking for. So encourage- and remind, that, remind our listeners what, what your site is exactly. So go to BTS for behind the scenes, btshelp, H-E-L-P dot org slash mental health. And, um, look around, find out what's there. Don't be afraid to, to talk to people about what you're feeling. If you don't want to talk to people you're close to, there are anonymous uh, applications available to do that, to be able to talk. Talk to a therapist. A lot of therapists out there are working on sliding scale now or doing pro bono work. Don't be afraid to seek out a therapist. Um, these are unusual times. Everyone's going through difficult times. Reach out for help. You don't have to feel like you're alone um, and helping getting help yourself will help others around you as well. To, to quote one of the best songs, in my opinion, from Dear Evan Hansen, you are not alone. So uh, please reach out to people. Uh, let, let other people help you and help them. Steve, what about you? What final thoughts do you have for us today? Um, for me, it, there's a very simple question that I think 
we instinctively ask, and it's a really good question, how you doing? <laughs> you know, it's a pleasantry and mostly we don't wait for the answer, but I think it's a great question to take seriously these days. And I have been on the receiving end of people who ask that seriously. And I got to tell you, it makes a big difference because, you know, I, like many people, I'll just never say anything. I won't unless someone prompts me. And so I've learned that, you know, that, how you doing? <laughs> it, it really works. And I'm not one to hire a therapist because that's some admission of, you know, failure on my part that I cannot countenance. But I'm able to answer a direct question when posed by a friend. And, you know, I'm happy to say that each of the people on today's discussion have done that with me. And it, it really helps. You know, I, I guess this is a testimonial more than an answer to your question, Daniel. <laughs> but, you know, a, a few loving words from a friend who won't abuse, you know, someone's confidence. Wow, that can really help you get through something. So, how you doing? That's that's. <laughs> Uh, one of the best things my therapist ever said to me it was very simple and it, it really sort of changed how I thought about things. She said, you know, stress isn't bad. It's just stress. And if you can recognize it, it's, it's stress. It's there for a reason, but it, it's not a sign of your failure. It's not a sign, you know, that the roof is falling on your head, although weather permitting it might be, um, <laughs> you know, so, so seek the help that works best for you. It could be a therapist could be a circle of friends. I can write you a letter. You have to give me your address. I don't just know people. I don't mail strangers letters, but I'll mail you one if you want. <laughs> anyway, so, so find I, us. Go ahead, Jim. I, I was going to say, I read something recently. I'm, I'm, I'm ripping it right off the internet, but it says, are you having a rough day? Place your hand on your heart. Do you feel that? That's called purpose. You're alive. So maybe don't give up. Yeah, don't give up. On your heart. All right. So this is the point where I plug. We have our conference coming up. Register as soon as you can. Uh, details are on the ESA website. Uh, if you want to send us an email, if you're having a question or a problem or something like that, info at eventsafetyalliance.org. Put podcast in the subject line so that it gets to us. Thank you, Lori and Jim, very much for talking about this important thing that Steve and I both are like, we don't have the right words for this. So thank you for sharing the right words uh, and everybody stay safe out there. <laughs>